morning and good coffee, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry, and I'm glad you are here to join with me today. What is today? It is the 30th of December, 2020. It's funny, I've been getting emails from different companies uh, wishing <laughs> wishing away 2020. <laughs> you know, trying to put a, a, you know, a spin on this year. And I've never received emails like that at the end of the year from any of the, the different companies or that I deal with or those that send me spam. But I just had to chuckle when I received several that were, uh, uh, you know, wishing it away. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's almost gone. We'll see what the next year brings. But in a way, it really doesn't matter what it brings, because as we're learning here in this book by Jack Canfield, what matters most is how you look at it. And that's really a lot of what I have said over these past, what is today, 464 episodes, I think, is today. And it really does. It plays into how you look at things. And so, you know, uh, if you're stuck at home, how do you choose to look at it? If you are stuck at the office, how do you choose to look at it? If you're stuck as a in a kitchen somewhere, how do you look at it? If you're stuck listening to me, how do you look at it? <laughs> Oh, well, you know, and, and this this week is, you know, I had the week off for vacation and we had three days of laziness and now I am uh, staying as busy as ever. Uh, I just am not going down, you know, I'm not doing work uh, in my primary job, but yesterday was a busy, busy, busy day. Busy in the office in the morning and early afternoon, then taking mom to a doctor's appointment and then getting prepped for uh, another uh, board meeting. And finally, at the end of the day, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't do any more. And so the wife and I, we watched uh, a fun movie. So yeah, it ties into how you look at things and um, picking up on what we've been covering this week, which is the uh, the book, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And he's, again, he's the author uh, and um, originator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series. And what we're going to look at today, which is just kind of covering, you know, some elements from the first part of the book, and uh, the title of this section that I wanted to read some to you, excuse me, read some to you and then talk about it just a little bit, not as long as yesterday. Uh, if you don't like your outcomes, change your responses. And this goes back to this formula that he talks about uh, where it is um, E plus R equals O. Events plus your reaction equals your outcome. How you react to things. And so let me read here in this section from, if you don't like your outcomes, change your response. 
I remember living in Los Angeles during a terrible earthquake. Two days later, I watched as a CNN reporter interviewed people commuting to work. The earthquake had damaged one of the main freeways leading into the city. Um, Traffic was at a standstill, and what was normally a one-hour drive had become a two- or three-hour drive. The CNN reporter knocked on the window of one of the cars stuck in traffic and asked the driver how he was doing. He responded angrily, I hate California. First there were fires, then floods, now an earthquake. No matter what time I leave in the morning, I'm going to be late for work. This sucks. Then the reporter knocked on the window of the car behind him and asked the second driver the same question. The driver was all smiles. He replied, it's no problem. I left my house at 5 a.m. I don't think under the circumstances my boss can ask for more than that. I have lots of music and my Spanish language lessons with me. I've got my cell phone. I have coffee and a thermos, my lunch. I even brought a book to read, so I'm fine. Now, if the earthquake or the traffic the event, were really the deciding variables, then everyone should have been angry. Okay, pausing on the book, that sounds like a direct quote from me in so many of my therapy sessions. If the, Rather than calling it events, I call it situations. If the situation controlled your emotion, then everybody in that situation would experience the same emotion, but that's not how it really works. There's some other missing factors in there. And where I go on to explain the factor of belief, here they talk about the factor of, um, oh, (laughs) what is it? Uh, Because I'm not so familiar with it. Uh, Response, with the response. So let me continue with that. Now, if the earthquake or the traffic, the event, were the really deciding variables, then everyone should have been angry. But everyone wasn't. It was their individual response to the traffic that gave them their particular outcome. I was thinking negative thoughts or thinking positive, or it was thinking negative thoughts or thinking positive thoughts. Leaving the house prepared or leaving the house unprepared that made the difference. It was all a matter of attitude and behavior that created their completely different experiences. Think about that for a second. It was the response. It was how the person in the second car handled it in comparison to the person in the first car. Look at your workplace. Look at people around you. Look at those who seem to perpetually have negative life experiences. How are they handling it? What are they doing in their responses? When you're in situations, what do you do in your responses? You know, some people say, well, I don't have time to prepare. I've got too many things on my plate. 
Okay. That's a good observation. That's an honest observation. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do as a response to change that situation? If you've got too much on your plate, do you need to delegate? Do you need to eliminate? Do you need to step down? Are you taking on responsibilities that aren't really yours because you're trying to protect someone else who's fully capable of defending and taking responsibility for themselves? Some time ago, I worked with an individual, and he was just consumed with worry. He was worried about everything that could happen to every individual family member. That preoccupied so much of his life, he couldn't do the things that he needed to do for himself. Yet whenever I quizzed him about what he was worrying about and what he was trying to do, it wasn't it didn't really fall under his responsibility at all. And he wasn't in close enough proximity to them to do anything about it. There's a phrase I use. It's an old Polish uh, you know, saying, not my circus, not my monkey. I have that also on a poster in my office down at work. It's not my circus. It's not my monkey. I point to it frequently. My clients know that poster. I have many of my clients that will automatically say, well, I got into somebody else's circus again. Or, yeah, I, I let them keep the monkey. I don't want their monkey. <laughs> yeah, when we, when we are over-involved outside of ourselves, that's a response. Is that response helpful or not? Does it hurt us? Does it keep us from doing what we need to do? So we need to have somebody, in essence, taking care of our business. Mind your own business, like minding a store. If it's your store, you mind, you care for your store. You don't expect somebody to come from another store and take care of your store. So your response Make wise decisions regarding your responses. All right, that's it. We're doing a trying to keep things under a good time frame, and uh, we'll continue with this tomorrow. Uh, but right now, we're going to pause and get ready for our morning devotional. All right, let's get into our devotional study for today. It's from the book, Jesus Calling, Enjoying Peace in His Presence by Sarah Young. And if you're following along in your own copy at home, we are on March 4th. And these are written from the perspective as if Jesus is speaking. Refuse to worry. In this world, there will always be something enticing you to worry. That is the nature of a fallen, fractured planet. Things are not as they should be. So the temptation to be anxious is constantly with you, trying to worm its way into your mind. The best defense is continual communication with me, richly seasoned with thanksgiving. Awareness of my presence fills your mind with light and peace, leaving no room for fear. 
This awareness lifts you up above your circumstances, enabling you to see problems from my perspective. Live close to me. Together, we can keep the wolves of worry at bay. Mm. Yep, there's a lot of us out there that have either in the past or in the present have struggled with worry. Worrying about this, worrying about that. As a matter of fact, in the mental health realm, we have a diagnosis for that. It's called generalized anxiety disorder. Now, just because you're listening to this and I'm talking about worry and you worry does not mean you necessarily have that disorder. But people that have it, they are consumed with worry and it's irrational worry. It's not a worry that logically makes sense to the average person. And but it it negatively impacts their life. But you know what? You don't have to have that diagnosis to benefit from getting rid of worry. Refuse to worry. In this world, there will always be something enticing you to worry. Isn't that funny? That word entice there. Gosh, that's the perfect word. Enticing, we think of, or at least I, when I think of that word, it's, it's like the, uh, uh, the gal at the dance who's enticing the boy with her womanly wiles, or maybe in a negative way, there's the, the creepy guy in the van with no windows that's saying, hey, I've got some candy over here. Or what was that movie? It. I never saw it. Don't plan on seeing it. I don't like those kind of scary movies by Stephen King. Um, but, you know, that that demonic clown Pennywise, you know, is enticing, you know, the child away, I guess. And now you find memes where, uh, you know, you got Pennywise looking out from the sewer grate saying, I've got tacos, you know, trying to entice us. We're enticed by something we like and, and or, or we experience. And sometimes that may be the adrenaline. Sometimes it may be uh, the, the energy that we seem to get from fear, from worry. There's all kinds of things that entice us. To worry, but just because we're enticed doesn't mean we should take it. If you see a clown in a sewer grate, please do not take what he's offering. It's not going to be good. Just like Joseph, when he was there working in Potiphar's home, and he was and Potiphar was gone, and his wife was enticing Joseph with something that appealed to him. But he made a choice. He made a decision. No, I'm not going to do that. He refused what she was offering. Here, Jesus is saying, refuse to worry. That is the nature of a fallen, fractured planet. Things are not as they should be. Yeah. Sin really screwed things up. And the fact that we have this inherited sin this inability to you know live the perfect life as god would want that is a consequence of being a part of this fallen world 
this fractured planet. Things are not as they should be. So the temptation to be anxious is constantly with you. It's constantly with me. It's constantly here because we're in this fallen sinful state. The temptation, so so the temptation to be anxious is constantly with you, trying to worm its way into your mind. The best defense is continual communication with me, continually being in contact with an active, casual, ongoing prayer life with Jesus. Not just, okay, I'm going to open up the prayer book and I'm going to find a prayer that, that works. No, it's not like that. What God wants is that ongoing conversation, that ongoing relationship that is growing and growing. And that's our best defense, is continual communication with Him, seasoned with thanksgiving. And again, we've, we've learned about this in past devotions, that thanksgiving takes our mind away from what we don't have, away from what we fear to lose, and puts our attention on, look at all these incredible blessings that we have. Awareness of my presence fills your mind with light and peace. So you got that benefit. When you fill your mind with his presence, your mind gets filled with light and peace. But guess what? When it's filled, is there room for anything else? Because filling your mind with light and peace, leaving no room for fear. Yeah. If you fill the uh, uh, your, your glass with ice cubes all the way to the top, you're not going to get as much soda in there. And if you fill it with water all the way to the top, there's no room for the soda. It's what do you choose to fill your glass with? What do you choose to fill your mind with? This awareness, talking about the continual communication, seasoned with thanksgiving, awareness of his presence, this awareness lifts you up above your circumstances. We've heard that before in these devotions. It lifts us above whatever the situation is. You see, your sense of joy, your sense of peace, your sense of security, It's not based in the circumstances. Those circumstances can change. They can go south really, really fast. But that relationship we have with God, that ongoing relationship lifts us, His presence lifts us above those circumstances, enabling us to see problems from God's perspective enabling you to see problems from my perspective. So what's the perspective of God? Think about if, you, if you've had little children. They can be scared of all kinds of things that you're not afraid of. They're afraid. There's a dog barking at them, and they're scared. Because they're down there on the level of the dog. Now you look at the dog, and it's like a little chihuahua or a Pekingese. 
So what do you do? You pick up that little child and you hold them up there in your arms and their head is now where your head is. They are now seeing things from your perspective. And all of a sudden, the tears start drying up. They wipe their face. They listen to you and you're saying, oh, you don't have to be afraid of that doggy. He's just barking. That's how dogs talk. He didn't know who you were. So he was maybe a little bit scared, but look at him now. He looks so tiny down there. It's, isn't he just a funny little dog? And all of a sudden your child starts laughing. See, that's what being in the presence of Jesus is like. When we're afraid, but we're in his presence, he picks us up. He holds us in his arms so we can see from his perspective. And all of a sudden, all that changes. Live close to me. Together we can keep the wolves of worry at bay. We have a flock of goats. Not a flock. That's sheep. We have a herd of goats. Goofy, goofy goats. And we have had problems in the past with um, basically wild dogs attacked uh, our goat herd a few years ago. And as a response, we started employing uh, livestock guardian dogs, Great Pyrenees. We have five in two different pens. One is in a small pen and four are in our very large pen that's several acres. These dogs bark. We haven't had really any dogs, wild dogs show up, but we hear coyotes. And our dogs bark all night long. Thankfully, they're a little bit of a distance away from our house, but they bark. I don't know if they've had any coyote attacks that they have or fights they've been in, but I do know this. We have not lost any goats to coyotes because these dogs bark in a very deep, ferocious manner, and the coyotes stay away. When we are living and in, in acting in the presence of Jesus, we're keeping those wolves of worry away because we've, we've got Jesus with us. Barking. Barking not in the way like the dogs do, but barking in a way where we're in his presence and the worry doesn't have a place. Let's take a look at some of our scripture verses for today. Luke chapter 12, verse 25 and 26. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? That's a good quote by Jesus. That's a good quote. We can't add anything by worry. Worry paralyzes us and we can't react to it. It's different from concern. Worry we just get obsessed with. It doesn't work. And since it can't do the little things, why worry about the rest? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This one, we've had this verse several times. 
verses 16, 17, and 18, which is all just one sentence. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It didn't say in there you need to worry. It says rejoice. How often? Always. It says pray. Well, how often? Continually. It says give thanks. When? Where? In all circumstances. Why? Because it's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The last is Psalm 36. Verse uh, 9, and it's, it's short. It says, For with you, meaning God, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. See, he's the fountain of life for us. All you have to do is look around at those without him. And you often see a lot of death. It may not be physical death, but you see a lot of death. I think you know what I'm talking about. But in the light of Christ, what do we see? We see light. We see his light. We see from his perspective. All right. Well, that's it for today. Hope you have a great one and we'll catch you tomorrow. Bye-bye.